final episode of Season 3 of the Jam Based Podcast. I'm Andy Kahn, and on this episode, we're wrapping up our festival season with a look back at the touring horde festivals that took place in the 1990s. The Landmark Traveling Festival was a precursor to the modern music festival scene. We'll examine Horde's legacy and influence through quotes, archival audio, and by exploring other aspects of its impact on the bands that participated over the years. All of us at the Jam Bass Podcast are grateful to all of you out there for listening to this season. Whether this is your first episode, or if you've been listening since we launched the season, with who we called the festival maestro himself, Vince Herman of Leftover Salmon. I was able to conduct season three interviews backstage at three different festivals. First, I chatted with Aaron Magner of the Disco Biscuits about all things Bisco at the Summer Camp Music Festival in Central Illinois. Then I caught up with up-and-coming guitarist Yasmin Williams at the Blue Ox Festival in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. A week after that, I was out in California for the High Sierra Music Festival. There, I was able to interview Mo guitarist Chuck Garvey, who talked extensively about his recovery after surviving a stroke. I know we're not supposed to play favorites, but that chat with Chuck will always be very special to me. I also said hi, Sierra, at Hi Sierra, to Sierra Hull, who was a perfect candidate for an Art of the Sit-In discussion in the midst of her sitting in with just about everyone at Hi Sierra as an artist at large this year. Legendary keyboardist Bill Payne of Little Feet also joined the podcast for the first time this season. Bill gave his advice on what to check out at Jazz Fest and told a hilarious story about the band's experience at the Pink Pop Festival in the Netherlands. The 50th anniversary of the Summer Jam at Watkins Glen was also the focus of a Season 3 episode. The massive gathering of 600,000 people to see the Grateful Dead, the Allman Brothers Band, and the band was discussed at length with author Alan Paul, who wrote extensively about Summer Jam in his new book about the Allman. The one-day concert turned into a two-day music festival that was one of the largest gatherings of people in history. Be sure to listen to that episode to hear a cameo from Grateful Dead drummer Bill Kreutzmann recalling his experiences at Summer Jam. Summer Jam was the first Grateful Dead concert attended by noted deadhead and acclaimed author Steve Silberman. Our episode with Steve was the latest in our Jerry Stories series, celebrating Grateful Dead guitarist Jerry Garcia. Published last week during the so-called Days Between, Jerry's August 1st birthday, and the anniversary of his death on August 9th, Steve vividly recalled the one time he got to interact with Jerry. I highly recommend listening to Steve describe his encounter with Jerry, which involved a movie screening, smoking a joint together, a memorable embrace, and Steve learning what Jerry's beard smelled like. Listen back to all of our Season 3 podcast episodes, as well as over 175 other episodes from our archives, on whatever platform you're using to listen to this now. We're going to be taking a few weeks off to prep for Season 4, and to celebrate Jambase's 25th anniversary next week in the Boston area. Come out and say hi if you can. And stay tuned for Season 4. Now, let's learn about the Horde Festival. Glad, 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 glad. 
That bit of Glide you just heard was recorded on July 12, 1992 at Jones Beach Amphitheater in Wonton, New York, where Fish performed as part of the first Horde Festival. Along with Fish, the lineup for the initial Horde tour was rounded out by Blues Traveler, Widespread Panic, the Spin Doctors, and the Aquarium Rescue Unit. In a back corner of the Blues Traveler fan site, bluestraveler.net, a description of the circumstances that brought the five bands together for that first tour summarizes the situation by stating, quote, The Horde Festival began in 1992 as a solution to the dilemma of five East Coast bands that sought to avoid the club circuit in the summertime when other larger bands were playing to sold-out amphitheaters and doing well. Inspired by the previous summer's success of Perry Farrell's Lollapalooza Festival, which had been organized by Bill Graham Presents, the driving force behind Blues Traveler's record and promotional deal, John Popper and Dave Frey called upon their compatriots in Widespread Panic, The Spin Doctors, Aquarium Rescue Unit, and Fish to band together, literally and figuratively, and fill the amphitheaters with the fans of all bands involved. After originally christening the traveling spectacle Horizons of Rock Developing East Coast, the vision spread to everywhere, and so the name was created. End quote. There may have also been an alternative meaning to Horde as well, according to blues traveler guitarist Chan Kinslow. What does, it's H-O-R-D-E, with little periods after each one. Right. What does it stand for? Hippies on recreational drugs everywhere. Really? Yeah. Horizons of Rock Developing everywhere. That's what it stands for? Yeah. That's uh, boring. So I'm getting more money, so i got to spell out the anagram. <laughs> the previously mentioned Dave Frey, who was Blues Traveler's manager throughout the 1990s, is credited with co-founding Horde, along with the group's harmonica-playing frontman, John Popper. After his time with Blues Traveler, Frey would go on to co-found the Lockin Festival. At the 1992 Horde stop at Jones Beach, which we heard a bit of earlier, Fish guitarist Trey Anastasio was interviewed by MTV, and he explained the circumstances that brought the initial five bands together. Here's Trey. This particular tour? Well, we've... Um... We're friends with a lot of these bands. Um, the Aquarium Rescue Unit is the first band that played tonight. We played with probably 15 uh, times. We played with them a lot of times. Widespread Panic. When we first started playing in the South, they were very popular in the South. We were popular in the North. So we, what we did was we went, warmed up for them a few times. Widespread Panic came up North and warmed up, warmed up for us a few times. And we really started hooking up. Uh, Blues Traveler, uh, again, it was more of a, of a thing where a lot of our, the people who were coming to see us were coming to see them, and there was something going on that was connecting the two bands. So from what I've heard, most people, in my own opinion, the music is very different uh, between the two bands. And, uh, but still, there was definitely some kind of connection. So it was sort of a logical step that these five bands get together. Uh, Spin Doctors, we had never even met before the horse, but still, people were writing articles about the five bands, uh, well, the three bands, especially Blues Traveler, Fish, and Spin Doctors, were writing articles about the three of us like it was some kind of you know, theme. So we went and we, we did the um, we did these concerts. Uh, we got together, we had a meeting. Uh, John Popper, who's the harmonica player for Blues Traveler, called everybody together and we all got together and said, let's do a bunch of shows, and here it is. A few months prior to the start of the first horror tour, the members of the five bands met at Bill Graham's office in New York City to hash out the details of the tour. Managers were not allowed, and the initial agreement was that all five bands would equally share revenues. Those early meetings were discussed in the documentary film, Basically Frightened, The Musical Madness of Colonel Bruce Hampton, about the late Bruce Hampton, who was the leader of the Aquarium Rescue Unit, one of the original five bands. Here's the colonel. 
The Horde tour started February 14th, 1992. We're very idealistic and tried to keep prices $10 and under. Fish bassist Mike Gordon. And then we had the, the meeting of the first Horde tour, actually, which was Fish, Aquarium Rescue Unit, Spin Doctors, Blues Traveler, and Widespread Panic. We decided on that day that we were going to split all the money that we made evenly. And that is something that booking agents hate. They will not stand for that. Widespread Panic frontman, John Bell. One or two people from each band came together and we met up in New York and, um, and just hashed this out. For all the bands that were playing, and this happened the next year too when we did Horde, everybody came up out of the woodwork, out of the dressing rooms to watch ARU play. Blue Stripers, John Popper. Who easily had the smallest following, you know, so the promoters never got it. They were always mentioned because every band just kind of looked up to them as like mentors of whatever the scene we were part of, I guess now it's called the Horde scene, was really, that was the connection, I'd say. Is the respect for the ARU, that sort of discipline of musicianship. The profit share was soon changed to reflect each band's draw in a given region, but they did maintain equal set times for all the acts on the lineup. As for the tour's name, there were other options floated out of the fish camp, which included the Clifford Ball, years before it would be used to name their first major festival. Mike Gordon shared some of his suggestions with Relics, relaying options such as Summer Glacier Meltdown, the Sir James Isaac Newton Summer Jam, East Coast Dinner Poached Egg Music Fest, and five bands that stink, among others. The first Horde Festival stop was held on July 9th, 1992 in Portland, Maine. Coincidentally, six years later, the final Horde stop will be held across the country in Portland, Oregon. The initial five bands all performed at the Horde tour stops in July 1992, but when the tour resumed in August, Fish was off the lineup and Bailafuck and the Flectones took their place. It was decided early on that ARU would play first, taking on the role of opener that had to fall upon one of the bands. ARU sets on Horde would often seamlessly transition into widespread panic sets. Horde expanded in 1993 with more dates and bands. Blues Traveler, Panic, and ARU were back for the bulk of the run, along with the samples and Big Head Todd and the Monsters. Fish landed on just two 1993 lineups, which would be their final Horde appearances. The second year's lineup also saw the inclusion of the Allman Brothers Band, Dave Matthews Band, God Street Wine, and others at select stops. According to Fish.com, quote, The first of two Horde shows that summer for Fish was on July 21st at Middletown, New York's Orange County Fairgrounds. Fish then played their sixth and final Horde Festival set at the Classic Amphitheater in Richmond, Virginia. The set closer on July 27th was You Enjoy Myself, and it featured many special guests joining Fish on stage, including Chan Kinchloff from Blues Traveler, Dave Matthews and members of his band, and members of Colonel Bruce Hampton and the Aquarium Rescue Unit. During the traditional mini trampoline section of Yem, a true-to-life dummy of John Popper, complete with his trademark hat and harmonica vest, was lowered in a wheelchair from the ceiling toward a giant trampoline while Popper jammed along offstage. Popper was confined to a wheelchair that whole summer due to a motorcycle wreck. The joke, based on Popper's grand personage, was that the cable holding the chair and dummy broke and the effigy of Popper crashed through the trampoline and thunked onto the stage. The musicians on stage then shocked the audience by attacking Popper as the harmonica wailed on. End quote. A similar gag with Popper had been pulled off during a yim in 1992 as well.
The momentum continued in the summer of 1994 when Horde once again spanned several months and included stops from coast to coast. Back for the entire tour this time were the Allman Brothers Band, who were joined on the lineup by Blues Traveler, Big Head Todd and the Monsters, Cheryl Crow, Dave Matthews Band, Cypress Hill, and the Black Crows. The Black Crows returned the following summer for the 1995 edition of Horde. Blues Traveler was also back on the lineup, and there was a conflict that brewed between Blues Traveler frontman John Popper and the Black Crows frontman Chris Robinson. Here's what Robinson had to say about Popper when asked by Howard Stern. Robinson and Gorman came in. Here's what they had to say about the feud. So what was with John Popper? I had no idea you cared that much. I just don't care to be around him. I don't like his band. I don't like his. I don't like what they do. I don't like him. We did the Horde tour. <laughs> we did the Horde tour right. in 1995, which was like their thing. But that year, it was the most successful concert tour. We were on it. Right. Yeah. We uh, basically took the tour over, put a bunch of acts on that we wanted. We put the ticket prices the way we wanted so more people could come. And afterwards, he ran his mouth about our band. It's like, hey, Haas, play the harmonica. Enjoy yourself. You know right. what I mean? Like, I don't need to hear that about... I mean, it was one thing for us to go play with a subpar group like that anyway. You know what I mean? But we got paid so handsomely, I could put up with listening to them from my luxury dressing room. Despite the apparent issues between Blues Traveler and the Black Crows, Horde 1995 was otherwise successful as Dave Matthews Band, Cheryl Crow, and Aquarium Rescue Unit were joined by Ziggy Marley, G-Love and Special Sauce, Taj Mahal, God Street Wine, Modesky Martin and Wood, The Mother Hips, Morphine, and a newly formed at the time band out of Chicago called Wilco. Popper and Robinson were getting along well enough to share the stage in Atlanta on August 25th, 1995. That night, the Black Crows welcomed members of Wilco, along with Popper, to assist on a cover of Little Feet's Willin'. In 1996, Horde was bigger than ever, racking up more than 40 dates across more than half the states in the U.S. Blues Travel was back, as was Dave Matthews Band, G-Love and Special Sauce, and Taj Mahal. Also on board were King Crimson, Lenny Kravitz, Leftover Salmon, and previewing the following year's tour, Neil Young at One Lone Stop. 
Fans at the 1997 Horde concert in Memphis told MTV about what they enjoyed about the event. This first time we've been to the Horde Fest, and all the tents and booths and everything are probably my favorite. Everything, the stickers, the jewelry, the necklaces, just the people. Everybody's just cool with each other, and everybody's here to have fun. Blues Traveler drastically scaled back their involvement in the 1997 Horde Tour, only appearing at three dates. Neil Young was among the headliners in 1997, along with newcomers Beck and Ben Folds 5. There were familiar faces on the 97 tour, like Big Head Todd, MMW, Taj Mahal, and a few others, along with first-timers like Ween and Primus. Local Battle of the Bands competitions were held in each region ahead of the Horde Tour's arrival in the summer of 1997. Many lucky winners were then given the chance to play at the nearby Horde Tour stop, including the Big Woo. Blues Traveler was back to helm the final chapter of the Horde Festival for one last run in 1998. Welcome to the 7th Annual Migration of the Great American Horde Festival! Are you having fun yet? Well, Returning to many of the same sheds around the country from previous tours, Hort's 1998 lineup also featured Bare Naked Ladies and Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals. Colonel Bruce Hampton, who led Hort Originators the Aquarium Rescue Unit, brought his group the Fiji Mariners along for the final installment. You could have also seen at select stops of the last Hort tour performances by Government Mule, The Smashing Pumpkins, Galactic, Paul Cole, Guster, Derek Trucks, and Agents of Good Roots. Hort officially came to an end on September 5, 1998 in Portland, Oregon. According to the Blues Traveler fan site, John Popper upheld a long-standing tradition of sitting in with every band, amounting to seven hours of running around and playing harmonica. Blues Traveler's set ended with the band encoring with a cover of Steve Miller's The Joker. A bunch of guests joined the band who had performed earlier that day, including Ben Harper, Bare Naked Ladies, and Alana Davis. Once again, thank all of you very much for coming tonight. Thank you for that. Thank you for that.
In 2015, the Horizons of Rock Developing Everywhere tour was resurrected for one night only at Pine Knob in Clarkston, Michigan. Horde co-founders Blue Straveler, along with 311 and Big Head Todd and the Monsters, were on the lineup for the event held on July 9th, 2015. Exactly 23 years since the first Horde Festival stop in 1992. Horde has remained dormant ever since. In the years that followed Horde, the modern music festival scene blossomed with events happening around the country all year long. Touring festivals like Horde have become sparse. Even Lollapalooza, which partly inspired Horde, found a permanent home in Chicago. Occasionally, you'll still see a few bands come together to stack a lineup in order to play in a few bigger-than-normal venues, but not quite in the same way as Horde. These days, bands don't need to travel together from amphitheater to amphitheater. Instead, they can spend their summer weekends meeting up at festivals of all shapes and sizes. Right now, I'm walking on the wake. Thanks for listening to season three of the Jam Bass Podcast. Many thanks to each and every one of you out there for listening. Thanks to Jake Alexander for the production assistance throughout the season. Thanks to all of our sponsors this season. We're going to take some time off to celebrate Jam Bass's 25th anniversary. In the meantime, make every second count and go see live music.